God didn't put you here for no reason. God didn't say, Jessica, you can just sit on that earth and do nothing, and it'll be awesome. I mean, he made each of you guys for a purpose, right? And it's for an awesome purpose, greater than even anything you could imagine on a political scale. You're not just here to save the world from a recession. That would be pretty big. God, I think, has something bigger for each one of you guys. In eternity, we're not going to be looking back going, I made my mortgage payment. (laughs) I don't think we'll be thinking about that at all. We're going to be thinking about the people that we influenced and the people that we loved and the people that we shared with. So God has called each of us to something great. And this was just a funny illustration about the greatest person in the universe, God himself, calling us to the greatest thing in the universe to share the good news with people that desperately need to hear it. And oftentimes we can do it, Joseph said on the phone, sorry, President, I can't do it. I don't want you guys to feel like I'm saying you're doing bad at this. In fact, it's actually the opposite. I've never seen a group of people that are better at sharing the good news with the people around them. You guys, I'm so proud of you. Leah was at our staff retreat. Hetty was there, too, for a lot of it as an intern. And we had our other staff there. And I was bragging on you guys a lot about how you guys are just leading the way, sharing your faith. And it's so exciting. You guys should have seen Jack and Malcolm yesterday. It's, it's on YouTube, so you can see it, actually. <laughs> it's good. You should have seen the other guys that we didn't get videotaped. I was with Brandon, and Brandon did a great job. It was pretty cool. So you guys are doing awesome, but I kind of want to strike while the iron's hot, if that makes sense. I don't want to say this. I don't want to talk tonight because I feel like you're doing bad. I want to talk tonight because I feel like you're doing really good at this. And I feel like you guys have the opportunity tonight and the rest of the semester to define who you're going to be for the rest of your lives. And I think that you guys are going to be world changers. I totally believe that with all my heart. And I hope that tonight encourages you towards that end. So I wanted to start out by just saying the good news is good news. How many of you guys were ever happy before you knew Jesus? I'm not talking about conditional happiness where you got a pet cat and you were really happy for a couple hours. Okay? I know Jack loves cats. Anyway, wait. Where's Mark Hodges? Oh, he loves cats, right, Eddie? No. But anyway, guys, did you ever have any hope? Any true hope before Christ? True hope. The greatest hope you could ever have outside of Christ ends when you die. And in Christ, we have a hope that lasts for all of eternity. We have joy that goes far beyond conditional happiness. We have peace. How many of you guys have found shelter from the internal fight, the internal battle? And you've realized that you have peace with God, you have peace with other people, you have peace with yourself. This is stuff that the world can't give. What about unconditional forgiveness? I was talking with Chris tonight, and somebody told Chris, as many times as you sin, eventually God quits forgiving you. That's wrong. You have unconditional forgiveness with God. See, outside of Christ, we don't have that. That is the good news. That's the greatest news that any human being has ever heard. That we can have peace with God. That God loves you. That even though you're sinful and separated from God, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for every single sin from your past, from your present, from your future, so that you could have peace with Him, so that you could live for all of eternity with Him in heaven, and that you wouldn't have to be separated from Him for eternity, and that each one of us gets to make that decision. Can you believe that God would give you the opportunity to decide? He's not hijacking you. He's not forcing you to make a decision. But He's coming to you as a friend. You know, Jesus said, I didn't call you servants, I've called you friends. He wanted to meet each of us where we're at and have a personal and real relationship with each one of us. That's good news. That's good news, guys, that 150,000 people a 
day are dying and don't know. That means by the time I'm done talking, 4,000 people will have died that never heard that message, that never had an opportunity to respond to that message. That's a sad thing. But that's why I'm so proud of you guys, is that you're taking the initiative, starting these conversations. Sometimes it's hard to start a conversation, but when you're giving the best news that's ever been heard, and you're doing it in a loving and caring way, where they know you're loving, it's not just like, I'm just trying to talk to you because I have to, but I really love you, I want to take an interest in your life. That's a great thing. How can we keep silent, guys, with the joy that we have, with the hope that we have, with the salvation that God's given us? So you guys are already sharing every day, whether it's about God or about other things. How many of you guys talked with somebody in the last week about an interest that you have? How many of you talked about a sport? All you guys that were in Moab, you have to raise your hands, because I'm sure you talked about something, maybe rock climbing or... Who knows what? What about a TV show? I talked about Super Nanny this morning. <laughs> when you become a parent, you will come to appreciate Super Nanny. Okay? It's true. Matthew twelve thirty four puts it this way. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, we talk about what's important to us. If I love something, I'm going to talk about it. If I love someone, I'm going to talk about it. I hear Joseph talking about his girlfriend a lot because he loves her. What if you guys had never heard me talk about Aaron? What if I stepped up here tonight and I said, Oh yeah, my wife Aaron, I just texted her. And you went, Whoa, Nate, you have a wife? What? <laughs> Known you for three years and I've never heard you had a wife. Wouldn't that be awkward? What would you say? How much would you say I love Aaron? If I'd never told you about her? Probably not much, right? What I love comes out in my conversation. And it's not an awkward thing. It's not like I come up to you guys and go... So, uh, Jessica, do you know that um, <clears throat> I have a wife? <laughs> Here you go. Why are you being so awkward, Nate? You know? <laughs> Does that make sense? Right? It's natural, isn't it? Isn't it natural to, for me to just talk about Erin because I love her? Or Eliana? Isn't that just kind of a natural thing? Eliana's so sweet. Gosh. She was almost crying when I left today. I almost didn't come tonight because I was so... It's hard to break away from her. Anyway, the more you love God, guys, the more you're going to talk about Him. And it's going to be natural. It's not going to be an awkward thing where you're forcing yourself to come out and talk because you have to. But it's just a product of loving God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I I think for me, when I'm not sharing my faith, I have to analyze where my heart is at with God. I don't have to analyze necessarily where my heart is at with evangelism. But I really have to analyze where am I at with God. I felt like before break, I was getting to this point where I was starting to hate sharing my faith. Any of you guys ever been there? We all have, right? And before break started with the guy's Bible study, we were talking about this, and we were sharing together and all this, and I was almost doing it as a duty. It wasn't completely a duty. I was enjoying it, but at the same time, I kind of felt like I was fighting it inside. And when I got away, I sat in the hot tub pretty much every day, pretty much every morning in the dark. I was out there before sunrise just sitting in the hot tub with my Bible and reading and praying. And I came up to the room after the first morning and I said, Aaron, I feel like God himself lifted me right up out of that hot tub. I said, it's just unreal what God's doing inside me, just to be able to get away and focus on God. And almost every single person we met for four days, we got to share Christ with. And it was not awkward, guys. It was not awkward at all. It's just that in my heart, God was working in such a way I couldn't help but share. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of the start of what I want to encourage you guys with today, is we need to demystify evangelism. Sometimes we make evangelism like this, oh, this big hairy monster, <laughs> okay? Evangelism. 
I can't do that. Only Malcolm does that, (laughs) and he's crazy. We make it some huge thing that it's not. And we need to demystify it and just realize, this is simply my walk with God. And being honest with people about the most important thing in my life. God and what He's done for me. And sharing how He can do that for them too. If you're having trouble sharing that with people, spend some time connecting with God. And letting it come out as a real aspect of your life. A few of us guys have this goal, this accountability issue, to share our faith every day. And it doesn't happen every day. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect at all. But it means that that's a goal. It's something we're going to shoot at. That every day we want to be sharing with other people what God is doing in our lives. Okay, now there are ten big lies that keep us from sharing our faith. And a lot of you guys have heard me mention these before. So here are some of the evangelism lies. You have to have the gift of evangelism. We don't have to have the gift of evangelism. Some people may very well have that. right? Some of you in here even. But regardless, we still get to share the good news. If your gift isn't hospitality, it doesn't mean you shouldn't show hospitality, right? (laughs) If your gift isn't giving, it doesn't mean you shouldn't give. If your gift isn't encouragement, it doesn't mean you shouldn't encourage. Can you imagine, Kat, if you came up and said, Nate, I really need some encouragement today. And I said, well, (laughs) it's not my gift, Kat. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You asked the wrong guy. I'm not encouraging you. See, you guys, even if that's not my gift... I should still do that, right? And if it is my gift, great. Then, then God made me good at it. But if it's not, I should still take the initiative to step out. And guys, you only learn in doing. Sharing your faith is not something that you learn in a vacuum. Okay, It doesn't happen when you're just sitting there playing Halo. Sharing your faith happens when you take the initiative to share your faith. It's on-the-job training. Okay, line number two, your personality, looks, style, and actions validate the gospel and make it relevant. Have you ever thought that? People have to see it first in me, and we're going to hit some other lies and talk about that too, before it could be possible. We shouldn't invalidate the gospel by saying I'm a Christian and then living like a hypocrite. That's not a good thing. But still, guys, Jesus alone validated the gospel on the cross 2,000 years ago. I can tell people about that and do the best I can to keep my eyes on him, follow him. Many people don't share because they feel like they're not a good enough Christian. And you know what? That's the whole reason we need a Savior. (laughs) That's the whole reason the good news is good news. I actually heard a pastor once that put it this way. He said, I can't wait for my non-Christian friends to see me make a mistake and to call me out on it. Because I can tell them, that's why I need a Savior. That's why I need a Savior. So don't try to be a hypocrite, but at the same time, guys... Don't believe the lie that you have to be perfect before you can share with somebody. Because you don't. You just have to be you. It's pretty simple. Okay? Next one, too, that comes out of that is a lot of times people don't share because they don't think they have all the answers. And you know what? You never will have all the answers. Until you die and go to heaven and you have a perfect knowledge of God and then you will have all the answers. But you can't share your faith then. So it doesn't matter. See, you have to be dependent on God today. And that's a good thing. I got into a conversation with a Satanist this week. It's a weird story. I'm not kidding you. We were praying for this guy. We crossed paths with him. I said, Aaron, I really think we need to pray for this guy. Two hours later, he's sitting 20 feet from our car. We start praying for him. Next morning, we find out he's the night clerk at our hotel, if you can believe this. It's pretty insane. I was talking to another leader about some of this Wiccan stuff, and he was telling me, I've never studied that. I don't understand it. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I got to tell this guy about God's love for him regardless of where he's coming from. I didn't have all the answers for him, but that's okay, right? He needed to hear that God still loves him. That God still loves him. 
Okay, guys, lie number three is that you have to be friends first. And I just want to say real quickly, I can't think of one time in the Bible where somebody was friends with somebody before they shared the gospel with them. It just doesn't happen. And think about it practically. How long would it take you to befriend everybody on Fort Lewis? Is it possible? I've been here longer than any of you, and I still haven't made it, you know? <laughs> and every year we have a couple thousand new people showing up, so it hasn't happened yet. So don't wait. Sometimes you might have 30 seconds, and you might not get to share everything, but you can talk about what God's doing in your life, and it can be awesome. Okay, lie number four, you have to earn the right to be heard. There's actually a ministry in the United States of America that is one of their principles. Jesus did that 2,000 years ago. He earned the right to be heard. I don't earn that right. He did. I didn't do anything for anyone. It's not like I said, Becca, I earned the right for you to listen to me. (laughs) You'd say, what are you talking about, Nate? (laughs) All right? But Jesus, he did that at the cross. He earned the right to be heard. Okay, have you ever heard this one? They don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Well, they need both, right? People need to see you love them, and they also need to hear the good news. They need both, guys. And they go together, don't they? It's not an either or, but it's more of a both and. Okay, line number six, God doesn't want us to offend anyone. We need to have good boundaries with that. Does that make sense? You could offend somebody if you're just a jerk, so don't do that. (laughs) We had a student once that heard the gospel, and he put his trust in Christ. He gets home, and the first call he makes is to his girlfriend. You know what he tells her? You're going to hell if you don't come to Christ right now. (laughs) Okay, that was kind of an insensitive way to approach the subject with her, right? On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you think she liked that? Like a negative 10. (laughs) They didn't stay together very long. Okay, the point is, is if you're doing your best to love somebody and to share how God loves them and the plan that he has for their life, and if by that they get offended, that's their issue. And you can trust God with that. I've seen people that have gotten mad and come back years later and said, you know what, that really meant a lot to me. And thanks for sharing it. The worst that's ever happened is I told this lady at a gas station once, I said, Jesus loves you. And she goes, scram. <laughs> okay. But usually, usually, <laughs> usually people say, hey, thanks, thanks for telling me that. Right yesterday, didn't you guys hear people say, yeah, I haven't heard that for a while. Thanks. And that opens up some big discussions. Not to say that's the only way to share, but it's a start. Okay. Sometimes we hear this lie that good works are evangelism. No, they're important, but they're not the same as sharing. There are good atheists. I'm not kidding. There are good people that happen to believe in some really messed up stuff. There are good Buddhists. There are good Mormons. There are good a lot of things. Just because I'm doing good things doesn't tell somebody how they can have a relationship with God. So I need to do good works, but I also need to share the good news. Okay, how many of you have heard this? It's a quote that people attribute to St. Francis of Assisi. It says, preach always, use words if necessary. Ever hear that quote? Well, first of all, it's not even his. <laughs> he didn't even say it. It's been conjured up by people afterwards. But I just want to say, the Bible tells us that words are necessary. It puts it like this in Romans 10, 13 through 14. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, I need to use words too. I need to share with my mouth what God has done in my life and the good news that he has given us. Okay, here's another big lie. Number nine, it's that older people are stuck in their ways and won't trust Christ. This is not true. A lot of times, guys, older people, middle age and up, they hit a point in their life where they realize a lot of the dreams that they had when they were your age never panned out. 
And it can be the most desperate and depressed time of their life. And they desperately need some good news at that point, especially the good news. This year, we saw a doctor in this town with a major practice of his own put his trust in Christ. He was wealthy, he's accomplished, he's a professional, but there was a need in his heart. And he responded to that. Okay, line number 10, the last one I'm going to talk about, is that the gospel is unattractive, that it's repulsive, and that people don't want to hear the good news. Romans 1.16 says the opposite. It says that the gospel is the power of God. It's not something that turns people away, but it's the power of God unto salvation, it says. See, those are the lies. Now here's the truth. In Matthew 9.36-37, it says, When he saw the crowds talking about Jesus, it says he had compassion on them. Jesus had compassion on the crowds because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's the reality, guys. The people around you are harassed and helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Don't you see that? Don't you see people doing the same thing that everybody else does that produces the same meaningless results, the same futility, and they keep doing it again and again and again? and getting less satisfied and less satisfied and less satisfied. They're desperate. They need Jesus, just like I need Jesus. Right? I'm no better than any of them. That's the reality. You guys, sometimes when we look at how crazy and out of control a lot of the world is, you could say, man, they're evil, they're terrible. I don't want to spend time with them. You guys, that depravity is evidence that they are searching. They're searching anywhere they can. And they're hungry inside. Okay, we say the hotter the desert, the thirstier people are going to be. Does that make sense? The crazier things are in society, the more people are searching for something that truly matters. Jesus put it this way in John 12, 32-33. He said, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Okay, and it says that he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. He was lifted up on a cross. That already happened, right? So, Jesus is telling me right here that he's going to draw every man to himself. In other words, think about every person you know right now. God is working on every single one of their hearts already. Remember Revelation 3.20, he's knocking on the door. He's working on all their hearts, guys. In Matthew 13, 1-9, it talks about the parable of the sower. Remember this? We heard a guy talking about this at DCC a few years ago, and he asked a good question. He says, what kind of farmer plants seed on a road? kind of farmer plants seed in rocks? What kind of farmer plants seed in thorns? And everybody's going, I don't know, maybe he dropped some or whatever. And the guy finally goes, no, the guy was an idiot. <laughs> okay, kind of shocked us. He goes, God didn't call us to be soil specialists, but he called us to be seed chuckers. Get that? God didn't call us to diagnose where every person is at. God didn't say, Jatan, you need to analyze every person in your class and write out on a piece of paper where they're each at with God. <laughs> okay, and sometimes we do that, right? God just said, tell them about what, what he did in your life. Tell them the good news, and then let God work from there. Trust the rest to him. So scatter seed everywhere. People are hungry. People are open. God is already working on their hearts. Trust what God is already doing. And then we just simply step in, and we take the initiative to share. Okay, so I need his heart for people, don't I? I don't think I have that very often. Remember what he said? He saw them and he had compassion on them. I want that compassion for people. I don't want to live my life with this sense of duty about evangelism. But I want to live my life with a sense of compassion for people that need Jesus. That's every one of us. Guys, it starts with praying for the lost. 
Remember the whole issue of having a top ten list? But it also starts asking God in prayer to give you a heart for the lost. I don't do this nearly often enough. God, I want to feel the way you feel for the people around me. I want to have your heart for the people around me. I want to have your compassion for the people around me. Another thing that's going to give us a heart for the lost guys is sharing the good news. Have you noticed this, Hetty? The more you share, the more you want to share. The more tuned in you are to what's happening in people around you. It's like when we were coming back from DCC this year, this lady saying in the gas station how she can't quit thinking about God. Well, you pick up on things like that. Because your heart's in the right place, because you're doing it. Okay, and then finally, guys, about having a heart for, for the lost, enjoy this. Enjoy evangelism. Enjoy it. Guys, you get to see the God of the universe use you for something that's eternally significant. This is huge. This isn't small. This is big. Have you ever felt anything more awesome than being used by God? Where you can sense God working through you? And have you ever experienced that? It's like God is reaching his hand out through you and touching someone. That's got to be the greatest thing I've ever experienced. Guys, it is greater than anything else in this world to know that you and God are a team and you're working together for something that matters. That's why it says in Philemon verse 6, Paul prayed this. He said, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that you have in Christ Jesus. There's nothing as exciting as that. So application is key. James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, right? If I know I'm supposed to share and don't share, I start to deceive myself and believe nobody wants to hear the gospel. You guys have the acronym there, so follow with me. The acronym is ACTION. A is acknowledge God's call. I think we each need to just come to a point where we go, okay, God, you called me. I'm here, right? Success equals faithfulness. You guys get that. Success does not mean how many people you check off a list. That's not success. Success does not equal how many people pray the prayer with you. That's not success. Success is just, are you being faithful to let God work through you? And then you trust the results to God. We say, take the initiative and the power of the Holy Spirit, and then trust the results to God. It's that simple. Okay, C is connect with God and be empowered by His Holy Spirit. See, if I'm connecting with God, this is going to come out as a lifestyle, right? T stands for train yourself and others for the battle. Right, guys? We're doing this in our Bible study. So get the training you need. Know your transition questions. Be intentional about bringing those up in conversations. Use good tools. A lot of you guys have have put together your personal testimony about what God's done in your life. That's a great tool where you can quickly share what God's done in your life. The four spiritual laws are a great tool that you can use to share the good news with somebody. Solarium. Malcolm, tomorrow? What time? 12 to 2? Something like that. Okay, tomorrow is the solarium. If you've never done it, it's fun, right? How many of you guys think that the solarium is boring? I tricked you guys off. How did you pass your staff interview, Leah? I know. I was creating creating some uh, imaginary caffeine to get your blood pumping. No, tomorrow we're going to do the solarium. You guys, that's a great tool for getting into a spiritual conversation in a non-awkward way. You know, people don't go by the solarium table and go, ugh, that guy Malcolm really messed up my day, right? It's, it's a real non-threatening, easy, what? <laughs> I hope not, yeah. It's a real easy way to get into conversation. 
the Vantage video tool that we've been using, Trash Club. Sarah, how many people get really mad when you take out their trash and just go, ah, oh, you stupid master plan people. <laughs> Always serving me. I hate it. Right? That's not, not what happens. There are good tools that we can use to get into a spiritual conversation with people, to share the good news. It doesn't have to be something crazy, weird, and awkward, guys. It can be very natural. And then just practice, practice, practice. So that's the T for train. Next one is intercede, pray, intentionally and specifically. We call this the divine order. Talk to God first about people, and then talk to people about God. So have your top ten list. Be praying for people. Okay, next O is outreach opportunities. Colossians 4, 5 says make the most of every opportunity. And that is for you and God to decide. I can't tell you what an opportunity is. Is an opportunity every single person you cross paths with tomorrow? Probably not. <laughs> You'd fail out all your classes if you tried to talk to every single person you cross paths with. I don't know what it is. For some of you, that's going to be different than for other ones. For some of you, it might be somebody you sit next to in class. For others, it might be a roommate. For others, it might be somebody in the cafeteria. I don't know. For Malcolm, it might be everybody he crosses paths with. I don't know. What I'm saying, guys, is you have freedom between you and God. You have freedom. And I think each one of you all know. Have you guys ever felt that? God's saying, go share with that person. Uh, And you're going, I'm going to fight it. I'm not going to do it, God. You ever do that? And then you walk away, and the rest of the day you're like, ah, I missed that opportunity. Okay? Well, we'll take, make the most of those opportunities that God gives you. We put it this way, the four sound barriers, and I'm almost done here. And I don't know who came up with this. It's pretty cool, though. Basically, each sound barrier is a point where sound has to come out of your mouth. Meeting somebody, starting a conversation, sharing the gospel, and then asking them what they think about it, and asking them how they want to respond to Christ. It's pretty simple, but it's a way to evaluate where you're at. Sometimes I'll be in a conversation and I realize, gosh, we're talking about baseball. This is pretty cool. I wonder how I could bring Christ up when we're talking about baseball, right? I'm thinking through these sound barriers and how can I share something that's more meaningful than baseball? Because baseball is not that meaningful, even though I want the Cardinals to win this year. Okay, so finally the N for action is network with other believers that are doing the same. So it's like this group in here, you guys. Encourage each other. Spend time with each other. Because when you guys hear stories about each other, it's going to get you pumped about sharing too. So take action and do it in each key area. you got the natural body and ministry witness. The natural is just friendship evangelism, sharing with somebody you know as a friend. The body witness would be inviting somebody to something like a retreat where they can see God. You know how many times people come to retreats and they come up to us? We always get this answer. They say, this is the most fun I've ever had and I'm not even drunk. (laughs) Okay? And I'm pretty sure probably everybody that says that thinks that they're the first person that's ever said that. What's happening there? They're looking at you guys and they're realizing nobody's mad at each other. Nobody's competing. Nobody's trying to one-up the other person. You guys actually like each other. How weird is that? (laughs) Have you ever been to a party where they actually really liked each other and wanted each other's best interest? (laughs) I went to a few parties when I was in college, and it was like every guy there hated every other guy because they all wanted the girls, and all the girls there were fighting. It was like, nope, I don't think any two people in that place wanted each other's best interest, you know? It was like this bitter fight. But when people get around and they see you guys hanging out and loving each other, it's pretty amazing. That's what we call the body witness. Then we have the ministry witness, which is actually taking the initiative to go out and share the good news with somebody you've never met before. And it's the most scary, guys, but it's the one that helps you grow the most. 
that helps you get really good at living this lifestyle, sharing your faith. Okay, you can reach your whole sphere of influence. This is cool. Paul did it in Romans 15, 19. Paul says, so from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. That is the entire north and western side of the Mediterranean. That's a lot of land. And he even continues in Acts 19.10, saying this went on for two years so that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of God. Can you imagine if you're like, oh yeah, every person in the state of Colorado heard the gospel. That's pretty hardcore. It's the same God that works in us that worked in Paul. We can reach Fort Lewis. Was it you, Brandon, that said that yesterday? I asked you guys, if you could have anything... Over the next six weeks, what would it be? Was it Jack that said that? Jack said the whole campus. (laughs) God can do the whole campus. It's nothing for God, right? But he wants me to be where I need to be. Okay, here's the quote that's going to make you all mad. You probably won't ever come back again. No, I hope not. Just take this the right way. I didn't mean to put it here as an aggressive quote. It's on all your papers. A bunch of us are reading a book together, and this was in there, and we really talked about it. And we thought, what does that quote mean? How does it relate to us? Is he off track there, or is it right? It's from The Fuel and the Flame, written by Steve Shadrach, and he's quoting Walt Heinrichsen. And he says, If you are at college for any other reason than to be a missionary for Jesus Christ, you are there for selfish and sinful reasons. What he's saying there is not fail out of school, because that's what God wants. What he's saying there is no matter where you're at in life, if it's college, or if it's a job after college, God wants to use you for a reason. And if I'm ignoring that reason, I'm missing what God has for me. I hope it encourages you. Okay, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is Jesus' command. It's what we call the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the third greatest command. What are the first two? Jesus said, love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations. So two things I want you to walk away from this with. Also in this book, The Fuel and the Flame, it asks the question, whose responsibility is the Great Commission? And everybody said, ours. And he said, you're wrong. If you said ours, you're the problem. (laughs) I was like, that's what I just said. (laughs) Um, He said... The Great Commission is your responsibility. He said, when we see it as our responsibility, it's really easy to think, oh, Leah's going to do it. Right? But when I see this as my responsibility, then between me and God, I know he's put me here for a purpose. And it's going to be awesome. So I want to encourage you guys to see this great calling. This is the greatest thing anybody's ever been called to, to help reach people with his gospel. Okay? And that's the thing. It said there, make disciples. Evangelism is just the first part of making disciples. It's a process. And you know what's cool, guys? We've seen people on this campus come to know Christ, get discipled with that little discipleship packet. They keep getting worked with. And you know what? Some of those people right now are missionaries in close countries. One in particular that came to Christ up in one of the dorms on that side of campus. He's in a Muslim country right now sharing the gospel. Guys, there are a lot of people out there right now that are just like him. They're waiting for somebody that's going to show them real love, share the good news, and then disciple them and help them grow in their walk with God. I am so proud of you. Again, I know I've said it before, but I really am. You guys remember Robbie Ham? How many of you guys remember Robbie? So he calls and he says, how's everything going with Connect? And I said, I think our students right now have some of the best hearts of any students I've ever worked with. 
And you guys love trusting God and taking steps of faith in ways that I've rarely seen. So it's a joy. I love working with you guys. I really am proud of you. So go for it, guys. Let's win this campus for Christ, okay? Thank <laughs> you.